Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Short psalm, wasn't it? <laughs> Caught you by surprise, that, didn't you? Uh, should we just pray for a moment? Heavenly Father, help us to hear your word to us today. We thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of being able to gather together, to worship together. So help us now, Lord, as we gather around your word, to know what your will for our lives might be. In Jesus' name. Amen. I was uh, sent a text uh, earlier this week uh, from Phil Porter uh, and uh, he was reminding me that um, new wine is next year and uh, we need to start thinking about it uh, because new wine hasn't happened in person for the last two summers uh, and hopefully it is next year. I'm saying hopefully because let's face it, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, So hopefully next year new wine will happen. And uh, as I looked at this psalm, I was kind of brought back to some of the incredible times at New Wine that I've experienced. Because it's, it's, it's always a bit of a trek when you go to New Wine, especially when it's a Shepton Mallet. Uh, quite often we would do that trek in two parts, stay overnight somewhere and uh, carry on the next day. And uh, when you arrive, you're always thinking, oh, is it going to be worth it? What's the point? It's a lot of hassle putting the tent up, Andrew and I putting the tent up always, <laughs> always leads to an argument. For, and those who have been next to us when we've done that know. Uh, and you start off the week full of kind of, oh, you know, a bit complacent, sometimes a bit of trepidation, especially if it's raining. Uh, and then by the end of the week, on the best weeks, you've never wanted to leave. You get to the end of the week thinking, if only I could stay here, because you've encountered something that is unique. In the gathering together of thousands and thousands of people to worship God. And in that place, you encounter the presence of God in incredible ways, not just in the worship or the ministry or the teaching, but sometimes just in the ordinary, everyday moments of life, those people just chat and then pray for each other and incredible things happen. And on the best nights, those are the nights where you get to the end of the worship and you just want it to carry on. You just want to keep on worshipping God. There'd be nights uh, in the, the, the venue that Andrew and I used to leave where you knew people would have stayed for hours and we've had to close it down simply to give those who are serving a rest. Those are incredible moments of encountering the presence of God and for those who want to you can go and experience them next year I was thought of all of that as I looked at this psalm it's the shortest of the psalms of ascent it's the second shortest in the book of psalms and it's the last of the psalms of ascent and uh, as we've said before these uh, 15 psalms are all about the people of God on a pilgrimage. And new wine is a pilgrimage. Uh, it's a pilgrimage from wherever they are in the scattered places across the world. And they walk to Jerusalem. It takes forever to get there. Sometimes they leave their family behind. They leave their work behind. And they go to worship. To gather together with thousands of others from all around the world to worship. 
And the Psalms were sent to the songs that they would sing as they walked there. But this Psalm is a different kind of Psalm. This Psalm is the last Psalm. And it's a kind of, it's almost like a goodbye Psalm. And it's not a Psalm to God. It's a Psalm specifically to those who served in the temple for those who'd gone on pilgrimage. If you read through it, it is a psalm for those who minister by night in the temple. And so look, it's, it's interesting to me that it's, it's for the night shift because worship in the temple was all day and all night. All through the day, worship happened. And this psalm is specifically for those on the night shift. And they would have had to do it in shifts. They would have had to kind of section out times. And for those who have ever done night shifts, I haven't. Uh, I do know people who have. Night shift is a killer. My brother has done it for 40 years. He hates with a passion the night shift. He's retiring. And he's only retiring, not because he hates his job, but because he hates the night shift. And so he's looking forward to being free from all of that. And you can imagine, even for those who served in the temple, that that would have been a difficult shift. Because no one likes to give up their evenings and their sleep. No one likes to do that. But these people did. And they did it to serve those who had come on pilgrimage. We're reminded in uh, 1 Chronicles 9, it says this, it says of the... Uh, of key people, that those who were musicians and heads of Levi families stayed in the rooms of the temple and were exempt from other duties because they were responsible for the work day and night. The temple was filled with worship 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And this psalm was directed towards those who served in the night shift. And it struck me that as I read that, that kind of thing just stood out. Why, why not the day and all that kind of stuff? And I, I don't know what the reason is, but probably it is something like these families who have gathered together in Jerusalem to worship. They've had a fantastic time. They've experienced worship with thousands. They've experienced the presence of God because there in Jerusalem was the presence of God for Jewish people. And now they're on the way home and they've stayed till the last minute before they head off to sleep and to leave the next day. And so they sing this psalm to those who administered in the night. And as I read that, it kind of struck me that we have had our own night shift here at Christchurch and in every other church across this nation. That over the last 18 months, we've had a group of people who've effectively been on night shift. Because the night shift is always a skeleton crew, isn't it? It's always reduced during the evening because there's less going on. And over this last 18 months, we have had a skeleton crew serving us and making sure that worship happens every single Sunday, whether here in church or online. Those are people who have stepped up at a time of incredible need and have served us and served us well. And we need to honour those people. 
This psalm is all about honouring those who served in the night shift. And we all need to honour those who have served us in this 580-day night shift. Because that's how long we've been in this whole pandemic time. And I'd love to name them all. But I'm not going to start because I'm afraid I would miss one and I wouldn't want to miss one. But I want to encourage you today to honour those who have served us so well over this last 18 months. Who've made sure that whether it was online you had a great experience of worship or whether it was here in the building you were both safe and secure and able to encounter the presence of God Let's honour those people. And you know who they are. You'll have seen some of them because they're sometimes up here. But there's a whole bunch of people back there as well who you need to thank and respect and honour for the way in which they have served you. How can we do that? Well, this psalm does that for those in the night shift of the temple. The first thing that they do is they encourage those who have served to keep on worshipping God, to not give up in their worship. And I guess for every single person who's served here, they've, I can imagine, because I've experienced it too, you think, oh, here we go again. Churn out another service, another sermon. Does anyone even, is anyone ever listening? Every preacher's fear is that no one's listening. Oh, you're laughing. Oh, you will. Thank you. (laughs) But you know, it's hard work sometimes. And let's not kid ourselves. Serving in church can be hard work. And so the people of God encourage those who have served to keep their eyes fixed on God. They remind them of what it's all about. It's about worship. Worshipping the King of Kings, the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all that we can see. It's about gathering together as the people of God, as we are commanded to, to lift up our hearts in worship because it is the most important and valuable thing that we can ever do. We are going to spend all of eternity worshipping God. You better get used to it. This is what we are called to do. We are called to worship God and to call others who aren't into a place where they can worship God. And there is no substitute for gathering together like this. That's why those thousands of Jews travelled hundreds of miles, often on foot, just to get to Jerusalem to worship. It was the most valuable thing they did. It was more important than their families and their jobs and everything else to worship with their brothers and sisters and to go to the temple. They are encouraged to worship. And then in the final verse, the people of God move from encouraging the servants of God to worship. 
they move into praying blessing on them. And there's one thing I would encourage you to do is to pray that all those who serve here in this place, whether it's here on a Sunday or throughout the week or in other places throughout the week, wherever we are working as Christ Church, that you pray a blessing on those who serve. There's something important about praying a blessing. It's it's all through Scripture. We are called to bless, to encourage, to lift up, and to bring before God and ask God to bless others. I believe there's something powerful in asking God to bless people. It's a very simple prayer, but a profound one. Ask God to bless those who serve you. And so the people who are leaving the temple now, they're singing, Lord, bless those who have served us, those who have given their time so well, those who have given of their energy, those who have led us so well, the choir and those who have made the sacrifices. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. And it's, in lots of ways, it's almost like a selfish thing to do, isn't it? Because we know, don't we, that if those who are leading us and serving us feel that God is involved in their lives and they are blessed in some way, that they will do their job even better. There's a kind of cyclical thing here that we get blessed by those who serve us and when we pray a blessing on them, they get to encounter God and serve us even better. Let's be a church that blesses those who serve. Let's be a church that encourages those who serve. But perhaps also, let's be a church that is filled with those who serve. Because I think it's time for a change. At some point, you have to give the night shift a rest. Those who have served us so well, those who have done such an incredible job over this last 580 days, they also need you now to step up and support them and encourage them and even take over from them at times so that they too can rest. It's important that we see this, that we are all in this together that we all have a role to play, that within the kingdom of God, we all get to take part, that we are not simply just spectators, but we play our part in serving one another in the temple of God. Do you know, we are all required to serve. It is part of our discipleship. The moment you call Jesus Lord puts you in a place of service. That's the whole point of calling him Lord, that you are at his service. Psalm 100 says that we are to serve the Lord with gladness. Why? Well, there's there's an interesting reason. You know, in the Bible, in Acts 17, it makes it very clear that God doesn't need your service. There is nothing you can do for him. 
He is complete and whole and self-sufficient in and of himself. He does not need you. And yet he calls you to work with him in service. To serve him and to serve the church and to serve the communities where you live. He calls us to serve with him. And so there's real blessing in service. Often we see service, and I'm using the word service specifically as against volunteering. Volunteering is a completely different kind of thing. Well, slightly different kind of thing. Service is what we do as Christians. We serve. We don't simply volunteer. And there is blessing in service. There's the blessing of knowing that you are doing something that God wants you to do. There's the blessing of knowing that people will benefit out of what you do. There's blessing in knowing that you actually grow through your service. Simply being a spectator will not help you grow in your faith. And the whole point of being a disciple is that you are constantly becoming more and more like Jesus. And the place in which you do that is in the place of service. It is also interesting, isn't it, that if you speak to any mental health professional and ask them, what are the key things for good mental health? One of the things they will say is, go and volunteer, go and help others. It is actually good for you to serve. That's why we are to serve with gladness. Not out of any sense of compulsion, any sense of reluctance. We are to serve gladly because we know it is actually good for us. That's why we are called to serve. God doesn't ask us to serve because he's some kind of big dictator who just likes to make things hard for us. He calls us to serve because we can partner with him in what he wants us to do. And it's good for us. This week, I want to encourage you to to pray and to pray a few things. First of all, pray for those who serve in our church. Whether it's those who are up front or those behind the scenes and those through the week and those in other places. Pray for those who serve, who take on responsibility, who take on tasks in order to provide an incredible environment in which we are safe and secure and able to worship God freely and encounter his presence in powerful ways. Pray for them. Pray that God would encourage them and pray that God would bless them. But the other thing I want you to pray is... Lord, what do you want me to do? It might be that you used to serve and you've not yet stepped back into it. You know, I speak to church leaders all the time and every church leader I speak to right now says exactly the same thing. They say it's really hard trying to get people to serve. And we don't know why that is. There's probably lots of reasons, but And the reasons almost aren't too important. But maybe now is the time for you to step back into doing what you used to do. Maybe now is the time for you to start serving in a new way. 
Ask God. I'm not going to give you a long list of things that you could do because it would be a very long list. Just think of anything that needs to be done in church and we need more people for it. It's as simple as that. How can you serve? And see what God says to you. And if God doesn't say anything to you, then come and see me. And I'll tell you. How's that? But just come before God first. As things start to come back to normality, as new things are starting up and old things are restarting, now's the time when we need you to rediscover the blessing of service.